So, a few introductory words about posture. I was introduced to meditation through Zen, where they had a very particular yogic posture that you were supposed to expect to sit in. When I was in Japan, the expectation was to sit in full lotus. And um, and we were not supposed to move once we were sitting in meditation. And uh, so I worked a lot with the posture and struggled with it. And, and slowly over time, I discovered that um, that uh, some of the it became second nature for me to be present for my posture, to be attentive to it. It's an adventure. It's a, a constantly changing and shifting. I'm still always discovering my posture and what posture to sit in. And I learned that the yogic, particularly yogic posture of Zen, has some advantages. But what's more to the point of meditation practice is to find the posture that's appropriate for you at any given time. And I've done this long enough that I've had trends. I've had particular postural trends that I've done for a decade and then I shifted. One of them was uh, which leg is in front when I'm sitting this way, cross-legged. You know, one decade one way, then another way, and right now, as my body's getting older, I'm not quite sure. Uh, you know, I'm still finding my way now that my body's getting older and I need to shift and change. And, um, but one of the things I learned in this process is that, um, that one of the anchors for the present moment, one of the kind of the sources for being aware, being mindful, uh, is a kind of second, what has become kind of second nature kind of attentiveness to posture. And, um, and so one of the advantages of caring for your posture, attention to your posture, is over time it becomes kind of second nature. And so this care, this attention to posture, is there in the background all the time. And it offers support for our psycho- psychological world that we live in. It's, it offers support for whatever we're going through in all kinds of ways. And the intentional posture that we take for meditation should be a little bit intentional. I don't think it's so useful just to plop yourself down on the couch and lean back and just kind of like look like a, you know, the world's most relaxed couch potato and, uh, and then just meditate that way. But I think there's a, a real value of taking the posture that's intentional, that's in harmony with what's right for you at any given time. But the intentional posture, I call it, dhar- I like to call it dharmic posture, the dharma posture, uh, that can hold everything, hold our life in all the different ways it can without suc- succumbing to our life. And what I mean by that, there are postures of anger, there are postures of grief, there are postures of, of despair, there are postures of joy, there's postures of all kinds of postures that we can have if we kind of are always kind of giving in to the posture. And sometimes that's wonderful and valuable and important to do. But uh, 
for the kind of the path of the Dharma practice, the kind of inner freedom we're looking for, um, that's a kind of inner freedom that's freedom from being caught by all the conditions of our life. So the conditions of our life can flow through us and be present but without us succumbing to them or giving in to them. And so the Dharma posture is a posture that we can hold our sadness in, hold our grief, despair, whatever it might be, but without giving into it, collapsing into it. So it's not denying it, but it's also not getting entangled with it. So it's very different to sit in a meditation and, uh, and be despairing about something and, and just, you know, just going, oh my. Sometimes we have to do that. So we're not here to say you shouldn't do that. But it's a very different to do that versus sitting in a basically kind of an upright posture and feeling the despair move through us, making room for it, allowing it to be there, and learning having a support, like a container, a context, where we can allow it to move through us. It's very respectful to whatever we're feeling, but also we're not participating in it. It's not, it's not kind of driving the show or driving us. And so much learning can happen, so much healing can happen, that's actually a little bit hard to happen if we collapse into it. Collapsing into it might feel comforting. And so sometimes it's good to have that comfort. But it's not in the long picture, we'll discover that feeling all of our life, whatever it is, in a Dharma posture is much more, I don't know, comforting, much more meaningful, much more all of ourselves is included. We're not kind of becoming partial by sinking into one way or another way. And some people have postures they carry with them that are chronic. And in doing that, they're chronically kind of succumbing or being defined by a particular mood, attitude, way of being. So this Dharma posture that can hold it all it's not easy to find, but it's worthwhile kind of working your way to have that. So that's my introduction today for this, this, this talk. The danger in the... Uh, one of the primary reasons for giving this posture instruction is not for that reason I just gave, but rather is to help you avoid unnecessary discomfort in meditation. There's people who um, are, many of us, I mean, still to this day, I feel the physical pain and discomfort when I meditate. Um, but to do so unnecessarily is unfortunate. And so sometimes just being a little bit more aligned in the posture, taking a little different posture with the legs or the back or something, can alleviate pain that, that can be alleviated. And then there's pain which can't be easily alleviated because it's not postural. Then we learn to practice with it and be wise about it. And I'll say something about that later. But uh, the, the simple postural shifts that can help make it easier, um, I'd like to you know, help you with that. The danger of this discussion is that you'll think that somewhere out there, there's the perfect posture 
that if you find it, you'll never be uncomfortable ever again. And so you'll fidget every couple of minutes to kind of like, not that, not that, this, thinking I have to find it. There is no perfect posture that you never be uncomfortable. You want to have a posture that can hold the discomfort where you feel like, okay, this is the posture that it's okay to be in. It feels aligned and balanced. And this is the posture now to practice with my discomfort. But if you don't feel like you have that posture, maybe you should shift and change your posture. In Zen, when I kind of began, you weren't allowed to move your posture once you sat down. Here, you're allowed to move your posture anytime you want. We ask you do it, to do it, to do it mindfully and slowly, but keep in mind that, um, that if you move your posture a lot, you're actually activating your mind. And if you can keep your posture still without moving, it supports the quieting of the mind. How you navigate this between how often you move and how often you sit still is your choice. And uh, so as, you, as it feels fit for you, and I'll say more that supports this as we go along. So I'll talk a little bit about sitting on the floor or sitting so-called cross-legged and sitting in a chair. And for sitting on the floor, um, you know, or sitting what was called cross-legged, I actually recommend you don't cross your legs at all. Uh, it's just a way of calling it cross-legged nowadays. And in... Uh, and, and, uh, and, in, uh, I, was from, I was taught to call this Burmese fashion, where one leg is in front of the other. Uh, sometimes in, in the West, maybe we, people call it the tailor fashion, because maybe tailors would do their work sitting this way. Um, so that it's not half lotus with one foot up on the, the opposite thigh, not full lotus with both feet up on the opposite th- thighs. And the reason not to do that is that over some people can do it for... A lifetime. My Zen teacher did it into his, he was 90, he was sitting this way. So it can be done. But for most people, it's not really useful. And for most people, it's, um, you put too much torque in your knees and your ankles. And you can actually cause damage if you're torquing it and sitting in pain too much. Uh, there was a short period of time I sat in full lotus. It took me seven years to get into that. I didn't push it. I just let it kind of slowly evolve over time. And what felt right, what felt right. But I haven't sat in full lotus in decades, and I'm very content not doing it. So this fashion puts the least amount of torque. It's the least uh, balanced, the, the most balanced posture to sit in cross-legged. And so to do this, it's helpful to sit on a cushion. And, um, and so these round cushions called zafus work pretty well for some people. There are different types. There's some that are filled with kapok. There's a kind of a cotton-like material. And some that also uh, filled with um, buckwheat seeds. And they have different advantages of two different types. And um, the buckwheat seeds sometimes will kind of, cont- kind, of, kind of shape itself to your bottom more completely. And so it can be more comfortable, the weight spread out nicer. Then these, these the kapok ones don't spread, don't change their their shape so much as, as the buckwheat does to your bottom. But the idea of sitting on a cushion is to get your hips higher than your knees. And it's easier for the lower back to be in a good position if, um, if the knees are lower than the hips. 
And, um, and what you want to have is, um, probably for most people, is um, to have a very slight S-curve in the lower part of your back. So you're not sitting straight. You're a little bit with the lower part of the back kind of uh, going in towards your belly a little bit. But no, you don't want to overdo it. If you overarch, that causes problem. But if you're pushed back like this, like slumped like this, this puts a lot of tension on your lower back and your back. And a lot of the muscles have to do a lot of work. And this will cause a lot of difficulties in the long term. But if you have a little bit of a curve, you get a little bit of a lift. And that wonderful lift kind of kind of lifts kind of the chest, lifts the rest of the spine up and supports meditation posture and good up good post aligned posture well. How high you sit depends completely on you. Uh, generally, the more open the hips are, the lower people sit. And so the tendency for sometimes the people who sit for a long time, they go, they go down slower and lower over the years. Um, and, um, but if, um, if, you're not, if you're tight in the hips, then probably you want to sit higher. And uh, you can get a couple of these and put one on top of the other, or whatever height you need, so that your knees can be lowered. And you have this benefit of a three-point tripod, the two knees and your bottom, that forms a kind of stability. If it's too high, then it, sometimes you slide off too easily. But um, you want to experiment with the height you have. And, um, and then the idea is with these round cushions, is more or less sit on the front third of them, a little bit so there's like a little, imagine almost a slope that's helping you tip the, the hips forward a little bit. And um, uh, there are other ways of sitting this way, cross-legged. So there's half-moon cushions that some people sit on, and that spreads the, the weight kind of down your lower, you know, your legs a little bit. And it's a nice, nice way of sitting that works for some people. I don't know if Spirit Rock has half-cushions, half-moon half cushions. And, um, and then when you uh, sit this way, if you can sit, if you're able to sit this way, if, you're ne- if you can't get your knees down, but you're, uh, then uh, it's a nice, th- nice thing to do is to get a cushion or, or something to put underneath your knees so they're supported. And there are times I've, I've done that with just one knee. I mean, I've had injuries, for example, but you can do both knees and that, that can work well. Um, and then, Exactly how your legs are positioned relative to each other can change a little bit. So you can experiment. Sometimes you have your knees. Some people find having their knees really far away from each other works best. Sometimes bringing the knees as close as they can go works best. Some people find if they take their feet, their ankles, their heels, and bring it really close in underneath them, and the other one close to that, that, that seems to work best for them. Some people find that having the, the, leg, the feet out in front of you as far as they'll go, uh, that's, you know, makes it easier for you, for the, for the knees and something like that. One thing I learned to do sometimes when I had knee problems was to dangle my toes or my ankle over the front of these mats. And, um, and there was just a slight you know, change of angle on my ankle that traveled up my knee, to my knee and created a little bit of better kind of uh, twisting, turning on my knee. And, uh, so very, and some people will find that getting a hand towel or a sock and putting it underneath the ankle 
can also be a nice thing. You probably can't see it here, but just underneath the that also can kind of create a little bit uh, nicer feeling for the ankle sometimes, if that's where the problem is, or for the knee. Uh, if you um, have trouble with your knees, which many people do, are not used to this, like it starts hurting or feeling uh, there's pain, um, do hip opening uh, yoga postures. This can be very helpful. Uh, if you know how to do the pigeon, that's that's uh, works really well for the, for the opening up the hips, so it's easier for the knees. And there's also I don't know what it's called, but there's kind of being on your back version of pigeon, where you, your legs look like a figure four, and you're you're stretching the opening of the hip that way. And um, and um, and the other thing that's, that's nice to do that can be helpful again. Small, small differences can make a big difference if you're sitting in the same posture for a long time. And that is, um, it, uh, when I first started sitting down to meditate, I would just sit down and yank my, my leg up, my feet up, just yank it up, twisting my, my knee. But what I learned to do is, um, before I put my leg down, I, I'll, you know, if I'm having, I'll sometimes like, you can do it with both, both, both legs, Sit kind of like this, which is the official, in Zen at least, rest posture. If you feel like you've sat long enough in meditation, you don't have, you know, you don't have another posture to take. You can just sit up like this and rest for a while, your posture, and then go back when you're ready. But the idea here is you want to kind of sit here and then pull yourself as much as you can out of your hips, kind of open and pull yourself, and then. Um, you take and you lay one leg down without twisting the knee up like this, but you just kind of, and the way you do it is you lean with it like this. You're leaning into the knee and then you pull up and that opens it in the hips without having to twist the knee so much. And so much means it could just be like, you know, half a millimeter, but that'll make a big difference right in the long term. It's a little bit easier, the second leg. I'll put it on my ankle and try to pull myself out. And then the other thing is, as I put it down, I also swing it back and forth to kind of open that hip even more. And then lean with it as, as I, like this, and then straighten out. So, it, so the, the, these kinds of things might help with your knees if it's an issue. Also, uh, you, you can also sit um, on your knees when you're sitting on the mats or on the floor. And, uh, and so one way to do it is take these and put them up like this and then put them between your ankles. And this is a nice way of sitting sometimes. It can also be easier to be more upright, sometimes easier for the lower back for some people. And, um, and this is also a nice alternative to sitting cross-legged all the time. Generally, especially if you're new to all this, you probably don't want to take the same posture every time you come to sit, meditate in the hall because you'll slowly build up a strain. And um, so it's nice to alternate a little bit, once or twice a day, do another posture just so that you alleviate the strain a little bit. And so you can always sit in the chair, I'll talk about a little bit later, 
But uh, sitting this way is one of those alternatives. And if you sit this way all the time, then maybe you want to sit in a chair sometimes just to get a little break. And there, so there's this way, and then there's also with these, um, these benches. And they kind of, you, you put it underneath you kind of the same way as I'm sitting on this cushion. And, um, and, the, um, and here, some people find that it flattens out the, their feet a lot and their toes. And so if you scoot back to the back of the mat and have your toes over the edge, or your ankles over the edge, it can make a little difference. And, or what I used to do, uh, and then, or you can do the other way. Some people find that it's too much weight on their knees. And then you scoot forward so that your knees are over the edge. And so the weight is on your shin. And some people find that works better. And what I did for a little while is I folded these mats in half so that my knees would be over the front and my uh, toes would be over the back. And that's what worked for me. So, um, and then sitting in a chair... Uh, with a chair, the, uh, one of the principles is also to have your knees lower than your hips. And uh, so for me, I, I would probably sit this way. And um, still, maybe I should be a little slightly higher. But, uh, but that also does a nice thing for the lower part of the back. So you want to kind of get yourself elevated if you need. And if you're short, then you can take... I don't know if there's no more extra ones of these, but but um, you can also get something to put on your for your feet, so your feet are not too far down, you know, pulled down or something, and um, and it could be those afus, those round cushions you use for your feet, and uh, and then uh, if the reason that you're sitting on a chair is because of your legs and your knees, then you might want to experiment with not using the backrest. Uh, some people, of course, it's fine to use a backrest if you need to, but it adds a little bit more alertness, a little bit less tendency to um, become complacent or fall asleep even if you're not relying on something to hold yourself up. So it's a little bit, a little bit, uh, a little bit I think, beneficial to not use the backrest if you can help, if you don't, don't need it. If you do need the backrest, uh, by all means do so. And... Uh, one way to do it is to, if you, uh, to, to push your, your lower part of your back into the back of the chair. And so if you're uh, short again, you want to take something like this or a zafu and put it behind you so that you have, you know, you go, you, 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 this will work for you. And you lean forward and you scoot yourself back like this way as firmly as you can against the back of the, the chair and then snake up like this. And then you get a little bit of a, there's a lift again that comes from that, where that contact is, that helps hold you upright. And you have some back support, that lower back, but the upper part of the back is now self-supporting. And it's kind of free and loose. So that's nice for some people. If you need to use the whole backrest, that's also very fine. And um, an interesting thing to do there is to get something like a towel or some kind of roll and roll it up into a, like a roll, and then put it 
if it works for these chairs, it depends. If you're like tall like me, maybe it's a little harder to do. But to get something that you can put between your your shoulder blades, and so when you lean back, uh, you you're. Um, it's kind of like your in the 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 lower the the middle of your spine between your shoulder blades is being pushed forward a little bit, and the shoulder blades can kind of wrap around it a little bit, and that kind of creates a nice opening in the chest, and a nice kind of helps kind of position the spine in a nice way. Some people have uh, shoulder injuries and things like that, and either sitting in the in the um, or have scoliosis. And sitting either on the floor or on the on a chair, sometimes it's helpful to to have one of these cushions or a pillow or something, and and hold your leg your arm up like this. Maybe if you're twisting your back one way or the shoulder certain pain, you're supporting it and it's elevated, and that can kind of bring things back into balance a little bit. The other thing to do, whether you're on the floor or on the cushion or in the chair is some people find it helpful if they have something to elevate their hands that they're resting their hands on. If you're sitting with your hands, uh, if you're sitting cross-legged and your hands are resting down on your ankles, um, depending on the relative proportional distance between, you know, the length of your arms and the length of your torso, it might be pulling you forward a little bit. And so by putting something underneath the hands to hold them up, then you're not pulled forward as much. You're actually the opposite. It's going to help to hold you up. So that's a nice thing to do. If you're keeping your hands on your thighs, like I often do now, uh, sitting cross-legged, uh, if you're too far forward, it also pulls us forward. So you want to kind of pull your hands back a little bit so you're not being pulled forward. Um, and um, in the chair, the same thing. And if, you, if your hands are too far forward, it might pull you forward. So you want to find just the right way or reach the right support for them. The classic instructions for sitting on a chair is to have the legs parallel to each other with both feet flat on the, soles of the feet flat on the floor. I think that's grounding and a kind of a little bit of a posture of strength, which is very nice to have. But however, some people like to have their legs out wide. It gives the field more support that way. So whatever works best for you. And then there's a trick of a uh, little trick, a few tricks that uh, can help with the posture. And this can be done both on a, on a zafu and on a chair. And that is to um, put your hands on either side of your hips and almost pu- lift yourself almost off as far high as you can. Maybe so your chest comes out a little bit. And then as you let go, let the shoulder roll back. And that may be a little more open here now. And there's a lot of challenges people have with their, their shoulders. And, um, and so to be able to kind of loosen it up. The other thing to do with the shoulders is to, if you have a lot of challenges there, is to lift your, um, your, el- your shoulder up to one of your ears, as far as, far as you can. Then keeping the shoulder up, uh, stretch your hand forward as far as you can, and then keep, pull it up so it's to the ceiling. And then as you come down, turn the hand towards the ceiling, and then put it back on your thigh. And if you do that, then you might feel more open here in the shoulder. So do the other one. Lift it up to the shoulder first, 
then keep pulling it out as far as you can and pulling it out as far as you can as you go up. And then as you bring it down, the palm up to the ceiling and then putting it on your thighs. So, th- so that also might help the kind of shoulder issues. So to finish up now, there's, um, you can bring questions about posture to the teachers. And uh, there's a lot of little things that you can do. Um, do, don't sit with pain unless you feel like it's appropriate for you, that you want to practice with it in some way. If the, any pain you have in meditation uh, persists after you get up for five minutes, four or five minutes, um, then you're injuring yourself and you never want to sit that way again. But if, the, if, the, if you're sitting with physical pain and you're managing okay with it, and when the, if the, sometimes when the bell rings is all it takes for the pain to go away. <laughs> you know, but sometimes you get up and by the time you get to the door or to you know, one of the doors to leave, it's already loosened up and it's passed. Then it's probably not injurious. And it's prob- then it might be it's up to you then whether you come back and sit that. And the same thing with the legs going numb. If it's usually because the blood circulation is cut and that's mostly fine. But you want to be careful about how quickly you stand if your feet have fallen asleep. There's people who have, um, there's one woman many, many years ago who broke, here in Spirit Rock, who broke one of the little bones in her foot. She stood up too quickly when it was numb. So you want to massage and shake it. So generally the sensations come back quickly within a couple of minutes. If the sensations of your foot take more than four or five minutes to come back, then you're probably uh, pinching a nerve. And it's not an issue, not an issue of blood circulation. And never uh, uh, be really careful with that. When you don't, don't come back and don't sit in that exact posture again. Don't allow yourself to have that kind of numbness again. Um, try to uh, sit in a different way. So thank you. And for those of you who have been sitting now for this time, uh, you're welcome to um, go out and do walking meditation before lunch. And uh, those of you who came in just now for the sitting, um, thank you maybe for being patient as we finished up here. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.